Welcome back. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly dedicated cricket show. Bryce McGain and Damian Watson with you. Well, given this Boxing Day test marks the first time in 32 years since the Trans-Tasman rivals in Australia and New Zealand last competed in a Boxing Day test, much has been made of the thrilling finish to that 1987 match where Mike Whitney famously outlasted Richard Hadley in the final over to secure a draw and subsequently a series win for Australia. What people often neglect to mention in that match is a debutante with a curly mullet and mustache named Tony Dotterbade played a pivotal role in claiming 6 for 58 in New Zealand's second innings along with a serviceable half century with the bat in the first innings and I'm pleased to say that Tony Dotterbade joins us on the line. Good day, Tony. How are you, boys? Yeah, not too bad. Are you filthy that Mike Whitney gets all the plaudits for being the hero in that match and your feats don't get the same attention? <laughs> well, as, as Bryce, I think we've discussed this uh, before as well, mate, but... Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I've yet got a, um, a proper thanks from Whit for getting out uh, half a dozen <laughs> overs before the end, which allowed Whit to come and make a name for himself and uh, and then go on to be the multi-media superstar that he is today. So, uh, <laughs> look, it, it, it was a great it's a great memory, and uh, yeah. It, it, spending the first three days here at the ground this time around. Certainly uh, there's some fond memories coming back. How did it come about, uh, Tony? Great to be talking with you. And it was great catching up with you yesterday. I should fully disclose uh, that we, we did have a good chat yesterday and, and, and have thoroughly been enjoying the, the cricket together. But how did your selection come about? Because it was a debut and, and it was a bit of a surprise too. And uh, unfortunately, it was uh, you were the beneficiary of, of a good mate missing out. Well, that's that's true, mate. Yes, um, so it was a bit of a, an odd one. Uh, certainly not the sort of structured and well planned, and, and, uh, and, and you know everything's on social media now. Mm. Uh, there was back then. So uh, yeah, there, there were a couple of actual injury concerns coming into that game. Uh, Bruce Reed, who was unfortunately injured quite a quite a bit, uh, of course, in his short career. But um, Mike Whitney was in Sydney, just about to sit down for his uh, uh, for his Christmas dinner in Sydney, and got a call to say you're on the two o'clock flight to come down because Bruce Reed's injured. And, uh, and then I was actually brought into the squad, uh, asked to come and train on Christmas Day uh, for as a, as, a, as a, an emergency injury cover for a great mate of mine, Merv Hughes, uh, who just had a bit of a hamstring uh, strain at the time. And um, uh, but then I trained with the boys and, uh, you know, right throughout the day and even went to the team meeting that night, and uh, which was up at the Hilton around the pool bar with a barbecue mm. and a few beers. So that's, again, <laughs> probably dates it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so even, even, even at that stage and in the morning, uh, Alan said, look, Merv's, Merv looks like he's going to be right, but come anyway and train with us in the morning and uh, warm up and spend the day with us in the room. So, so that was terrific uh, as far as I was concerned. So I, I came to the ground that morning with no expectation whatsoever. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, basically, you know, I was training with the team and just as Alan Border was coming out to toss the coin with Jeff Crow. Uh, he walked over, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Merv's not going to make it, you're in. Uh, good luck. And then turned around and walked off. So <laughs> so I had less than half an hour to, to prepare for my first test. And so that was that was it. It was a bit un, unusual, but it was on, on, uh, on, you know, in hindsight, it was probably good that I didn't have a lot of time to get nervous uh, before I knew it when I was out on the ground. And uh, it was another game of cricket. Did you, did you have an opportunity to let your family know that you'd been selected? Were they there just ha- happily watching you train and warm up the Australian players? Not at all. Not at all. No, uh, Bryce. No. It's um, so no mobile, no mobile phones either. Of course, at that time. So, um, so no. We, we were we were planning to go on a bit of a you know a few days family Christmas holiday at uh, down at Dalesford, <laughs> uh, and um, 
And so I got back to the rooms and one of the first things I did was uh, get on the landline, uh, call mum at home and uh, say, look, sorry, I can't come on the family holiday. I've got to play for Australia today. How good is that? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, the, the team manager, I think it was Ian McDonald at the time, our team manager, he said, look, we've got a couple of tickets here. And uh, I said to mum and dad, look, if you want to come you know, come down and uh, and we'll leave a couple of tickets for you at the gate. So so, um, so they, missed, they missed the start, but I think they were there for my, my first test wicket later in the day, which was lovely. We're speaking with former Australian cricketer Tony Dotterbade here on Stumps. As a Victorian, how did it feel at 24 years of age to walk onto the hallowed turf of the MCG, your debut match? It must have sent shivers up your spine. Oh, look, it's something you dream about as a as a kid, uh, of course, and particularly a local boy in, in Victoria. Um, and my first memories here of coming to the Boxing Day test is in the mid-70s, you know, watching Ian Chapel and Dennis Lilly and Jeff Thompson and these sort of guys uh, with with my uncle and, and my parents and whatnot. So, so um, yeah, look, it's something you you always dream about, but never really consider as a serious proposition. And uh, I do remember as I got back into the rooms in all the flurry of uh, in all the flurry of activity. But I looked around. I took a moment to look around the, the, the dressing room at the time and uh, and saw you know some terrific cricketers, but smart cricketers, not necessarily the most talented players I've ever played with or against, but really smart cricketers. Mm. And uh, the overwhelming feeling was uh, relief, you know, that I'd always put this thing away out in front that I'd probably never do and uh, and was relieved that I had actually could call myself a test cricketer. So um, that, that didn't last long, I suppose. Uh, as I said, the, the, the whole mechanics of the game, you get out on the ground and you've got a job to do, and uh, that took over. Well, you mentioned that some of the players there, and I, I might – pop a few in there that you, you actually batted with Peter Sleep for a long period of time. He got 90 in the game and you got 50 runs and you really saved the Australian innings. It was really looking dire at that stage. Not, not that that's a pun on the wicketkeeper either, but he was there. Um, <laughs> but, but it was looking really bad. And I remember being at the game thinking, oh, no, we're done here. We're done. And it was just Peter Sleep and yourself. But you, you built a terrific partnership um, and you happened to be the last man out and you put on some good runs with Craig McDermott in that first innings as well. Yeah, that, that, that's right. The way it um, worked out, you know, we the New Zealanders batted first and got just over three hundred, uh, three hundred and fifteen or so, or, and then uh, and then we found ourselves, you know, seven for two hundred and thirteen when when I, I came to the wicket, and and again it was uh, it all was happening pretty quickly, and uh, you know Peter was out in the middle, and uh, those that knew Peter was uh, he's not a complicated character, uh, Peter. They, they didn't call him Sounder. Uh, his nickname wasn't Sounder for nothing. You know, Sounder Fleet. He was he was a pretty he was a pretty laid-back uh, character, which was actually great at the time because I often joke now that you know I was I was looking for uh, words of wisdom for him at uh, you know at the end of over where you meet in the middle, and uh, for two and a half hours I didn't get any at all. <laughs> uh, so there was no, there was no words of wisdom, but there was no panic either. You know, he was a very very it was just like it was a he could have been playing in the park uh, with Sounder, and we just took it ball by ball and over by over, and before we knew it, we chipped away at another eighty or so and uh, got within got within strike of the, the New Zealand um, uh, total and then he was out unfortunately he made 90 and I really felt for Peter it was his highest test score and he really deserved 100 that day mm. um, and Craig McDermott who I'd played with uh, since the under 19 days uh, so I, again I knew him pretty well and uh, we were two young players uh, coming in there and we thought well let's let's 
let's try and take this a bit further and put on another 50 or 60. So, so by the time I got out, um, you know, for an even 50, we'd, we'd uh, had a handy lead. So it was just one of those games that ebbed and flowed uh, backwards and forwards. And, uh, you know, apart from the personal highlight for myself, it was a magnificent game of Test cricket. And, Tony, you're faced against one of the absolute legends. In fact, it's uh, he's been knighted because of his services to cricket, Sir Richard Hadley. Now, looking at the overs he bowled in this Test, this is phenomenal. You must have faced an enormous amount. He bowled 44 overs just in the first innings. Um, and as we faced 145 overs, you would have faced a whole lot of that. What was it like facing a legend like that? But he was no spring chicken either. I think he was in his late to mid to late 30s. Was that right? Yes, he was 36 years old at the time. And uh, look, he was just a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal cricketer, a superhuman effort. But he was also one of my heroes at the time, uh, you know, as a young as a young first-class bowler, you know, you, you obviously look at those that do it well. And and um, I used to sit at home with the old, uh, whenever the International Cricket New Zealand were playing in International Cricket on Channel 9 and uh, and actually have the video recorder going and taping his spells. I'd actually tape his spells on VHS just to go back and study how he used the crease and, you know, the way, he, you know, his efficient run-up and his action. And, uh, and, you know, I admired him a lot to find myself there at the other end in a test match was was really quite surreal uh, then but um, you know he, he was he was just a that was a phenomenal effort 75 overs for the game and um, not only that but 31 overs on the last day you know 31 overs in a day is superhuman effort from anyone let alone someone who's bowled 44 in the first innings and was 36 years old so um, he well and truly uh, much as I make a joke of it uh, about the man of the match where he, he, he genuinely de- absolutely deserved that man of the match honours well he took five wickets in both innings but there was a bowler that did take six in the second innings and uh, he, he just <laughs> outperformed Sir Richard Hadley so uh, I guess the question is when's your knighthood coming Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was, yes, I did take one more. Uh, we had performed me in one innings in one game, but uh, he had about 330 or 340 wickets uh, uh, more uh, than me in, in other games as well. So uh, no, no expectations there, but, um, you know, he was, he, he was the ultimate professional. And, uh, and you know, he, but to, to set that, you talked about the second innings. So, so we had a, a slight lead, and uh, and again, you know, they look like getting away from us again in the second innings. I recall with uh, Martin Crow, the great Martin Crow, was batting really well. Yep. And uh, looking like they were building a bit of a lead, and uh, I was involved in a run out with uh, Dean Jones, which ran Andrew Jones out, and then uh, and then I managed to get Martin. So we were chipping away, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, also I think Craig McDermott was was off injured uh, during the second innings, which gave me a chance to bowl with a second new ball. So. Yeah, we've got a couple of late wickets as well to finish the sixth. So that was a, a great memory. But then we uh, we had the job of 240-odd in the last innings on a, on a wearing pitch here in Melbourne. Yes, and eventually the Australians did manage to hold on for a draw by the end in one of the most famous test match finishes of all time. Tony, really appreciate your time on Stumps this evening. Thanks for reminiscing about your debut match. I'm sure it holds great memories for you. And enjoy the remainder of this current test match between the Aussies and the Kiwis. Thanks, Damien. Thanks, uh, Bryce. It's been a pleasure. Good on you. Tony Donabay joining us here. Always great to reminisce. One of the great matches, that one in 87. Absolutely. And as a young kid at the ground watching a couple of the days of it uh, and seeing Tony Donabay out there, he was a bit of an idol of mine. But interesting what he did is watch the video of his hero in Richard Hadley and then imagine facing him just uh, in on your debut test. Uh, incredible story. And uh, he did perform incredibly well in that first game for himself. We'll have Peter Siddle on the show just after the break, but as we go to the break, let's listen to the great Richie Benno describe Tony Dottomade in very exalted fashion.
Well, there's no need for Bill Laurie, as it turns out, and Tony Dottomay gets his six. What a great effort. They tell me he's a very modest young man. We know from looking at him that he's a good young cricketer and very enthusiastic. 